You're listening to an M Pavilion podcast. Conversations about design and the world we live in. For more, visit our archive at mpavilion.org and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. Hi, I'm Pallavi Sen and I welcome you to the Play Plays podcast. This podcast was recorded and produced on the land of the Eastern Kulin Nations. We also acknowledge the traditional custodians of the various lands on which you all listen today and the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people participating in this event. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging and celebrate the diversity of Aboriginal peoples and their ongoing cultures and connections to the lands and waters of Victoria and across Australia. In this episode, I talk to Esther Stewart about art and making. We discuss how play influences her studio practice and learning environment. Hi, Esther. Um, Hi, Valerie. Well, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> it's, it's really, it's very, very special to be able to talk to a friend. Um, in front of future, so many future people. But I'll start with introducing myself. I'm Pallavi Sen, and I'm an artist, and I also teach printmaking, amongst other things, at Williams College, um, very far away in Massachusetts. And Esther? Um, I'm Esther Stewart, and I'm also an artist. I'm based in um, Nam, Melbourne, and uh, I'm also a student, and I study architecture. Excellent. Uh, so you've you've done a project with M Pavilion before, and in fact, you took me to the space two years ago. This is true. Yeah. Will you tell us a little bit more about what you did? Um, I did two projects with M Pavilion. As um, I did a project, one project where I um, made the uniforms for the M Pavilion staff and volunteers and it was a transitioning or the brief that came to me was that previously they'd had simple t-shirts and they were looking for um, a uniform that was slightly more functional. It was a really enjoyable project for me to think about kind of utilitarian um, garments that could be kind of like adapted or clipped onto or um, and also have a kind of like storage facility component to them. So I made some vests that kind of had these clip-on um, little bum bags at the front, um, but then as my secondary project, I did a um, children's, uh, I guess it was like an interactive children's, um, I guess, sculpture. I don't, yeah, maybe like sculpture where the children could clip into the staff's vests but also magnet onto the steel structure itself and create these kind of like large um, triangular rooms or spaces like divided by the kind of fabric that they were able to clip onto so and there's like little clippable um bean bag or like kind of weight bags as well so they could create spaces within the kind of pavilion itself I think that was two years ago now yeah yeah I don't think I ever maybe even three was it three years oh yeah I think so 2019 yeah Yeah, it was three years wow um so I want to well I want to talk to you about um, I want to talk to you about like how you work through how you work through ideas as a 
as an artist, as a designer, um, and now also as a student. But before that, before that, I would love to know how you think about how you think about or the ways in which you've thought about play throughout your life. Um, and I remember from our conversations before that that it's it's not like a straightforward word or because it can have so many implications. So I would love to hear I would love to hear how you think about it um, expansively. Well, I, I mean, thinking about the project I did at M Pavilion, it was in Kame Pinas's um, pavilion, I think it's kind of, that was a project I wouldn't previously have thought about making something specifically for children. And one of the reasons is that I don't necessarily consider myself necessarily playful. And there's a kind of like roadblock when I think of what would be fun because my experience of childhood was um, or the things that I really enjoyed in my childhood were just being outside and being spontaneous. And I really didn't enjoy um, controlled programs particularly. So when I think about like what I would do as an adult, thinking about what children would like to do in a kind of controlled space, I sort of hit a block. And so then I th- think yeah so then so then what is it to be play or playful they're probably different things right play and playful and probably as a person I'm playful but what I don't I mean yeah we've been talking about this a lot because I also don't know yeah I don't quite know exactly what a definition of play is um other than to yeah (laughs) Is well, that- <laughs> yeah, no, no. I think I think it's really exciting to think about, like, I, I guess words that may be associated with what we do. It maybe that like irk us at the same time, and you know, you wish people well, didn't use that I word. Mean, when I'm thinking about my project that I did that was specifically for children to enjoy, I thought about kind of making a kit of parts, and that then it's up to each child to come up with their own sort of set of rules or like their own way of interpreting the game. Like, I hate card games as well. And I think it's because you have to learn all these really (laughs) onerous rules at the beginning. And then, like, if you can remember them all, that's when you're, like, the best at the game. And I probably have a kind of crappy short-term memory or something because I'm already excited and thinking too many steps ahead. So I find, yeah, if you can kind of tangibly see all the bits in front of you and then it's up to you what you do with them, like, that seems like the best possible outcome. (laughs) And there's no judgment. Like, there's no desired outcome. It's just your call. (laughs) I, as I'm a lover of card games, that's right. I, I, last night I was playing rugby with my mother. I love it because it's like you, you follow all these rules and you know that some amount is you, but it's mostly luck. So it's kind of yeah, out of your it's, exactly <laughs> it's mostly luck. And then you just enjoy yourself, you know, because if you keep playing over time, the odds will even, you know, it'll just be like we'll both sort of be winning. Yeah, and, true. But um, thinking about thinking about <laughs> a, you know you, you just said like a kit of parts um, and that 
reminds me of, I guess, something I was very fascinated with as a child, which was like DIY culture. But that, that it was something that kind of didn't really happen so much um, the, where I grew up in India, because so many things were sort of very intensively handmade, and there wasn't the scope for just kind of getting into this. Well, there was no drywall in a house in the first place, so you couldn't just like start drilling, and you would really have to have like specialized knowledge. Um, but what it, and and in the kind of like things we've exchanged over the last few years, mostly like book covers on Instagram or like thing how to make this or how to make that or 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 like things that are a, a cupboard that opens up into a little dollhouse and opens up with like shapes coming out. Do you <laughs> have you had? I'm assuming you have a fascination with this. Is that true? True with DIY and true with things that have more than one function. And I think that that goes to the same with like thinking about what a kit of parts for a game would be. But no, there's a few outcomes, but neither are kind of higher. There's no hierarchy. That's probably the same. When I really like objects that have, in fact, I love objects that are like an ironing board, a chair, and like I've got this. Yeah, so I've got a, a, this thing that's like a stepladder, an ironing board and a chair and it's kind of crap at all of them. But it's really great because someone optimistically tries to put all the three things together and it's there's a sort of wonderful optimism in combining things that are like quite like disparate. <laughs> so I think like when you can see that there's kind of like unusual creativity in an object... That's when I, yeah, I guess that's what I like really like. And I guess that's kind of what we share as well is that there's like often it's like, an, it's sort of like an unusual thing, but also then there's like a handmade element to the item and like hours and hours of time making this slightly unusual thing. Gone, like, yeah. <clears throat> this is, um, it's also reminding me of um, what I'm thinking about. I'm, think, I'm imagining like the objects you grew up with and what they were like, or that this sort of fascination with like maybe, maybe even what you're describing right now, the stool chair, which is also an ironing board. And it's also, what's the third thing it also is? It's a ladder. It's <laughs> <laughs> a ladder at the same time. <laughs> and I'm imagining all these kind of fold like kind of if we were to look at it from a different angle like different shapes that sort of fold up against each other and then they fold mm. out and become kind of different mock-ups of what uh, other shapes that are somewhat functional um and I'm thinking also of uh, a photograph I saw somewhere while thinking about you and your work of you making little um I hope I'm not imagining all of this, but <laughs> making making sections of like a wall for like a miniature or for oh, a doll like house. a small yeah yeah because I yes a small like dolls houses yeah and when we met last, weren't you teaching a class on miniatures in a little oh yeah um, yeah real I, house? Yeah, oh so yes I think, yes yeah so I was thinking I mean. I, I like making small things. There's something just funny about them as well. But also they're like, I mean, maybe now that I study architecture, I sometimes make architectural models in the real world. But really most of the time as a student, the requirement is now a digital model. 
But outside of that, I really like making models of what I'm going to make for exhibitions. But also it's kind of like what I why I was teaching it at the VCA was in the sculpture department um, as a kind of example of how, as a student or a maker, you can think about making something at a smaller scale to kind of just like test out an idea or realise it. I feel like when I learnt um, or studied sculpture myself, one of the things was or one of the skill sets that I was missing, which I think I still am sometimes missing is why I'm studying like a drafting course, is because they didn't really teach you how to like communicate or realise your idea without just making it at one-to-one scale. And there's something really enjoyable about just making something quite small but then using a camera or like just putting your eye down at that height to then think about what... um, what this thing could look like at a different scale. So that's what I was teaching or attempting to teach was that you can make objects at different scales and continue to scale them up and play around and what the scale, what to do the different scales kind of mean. But also alongside that for a few years, I was making miniatures as part of the Victorian Miniatures Enthusiasts Association, which is like, there's like an association in Melbourne and they, they're just like an amazing, I went on their camp where you go away and make a doll's house and um, it was just really nice. They were really nice, generous makers and it wasn't competitive. Everyone was stoked and sharing little tricks about how you make different things and it was really wild. Like it was so different to an institutional like educational space that I've been in before where you kind of it's not it's kind of competitive this was not that and everyone was yeah very generously sharing like how thrifty tricks <laughs> it's great and also wildly long hours like I went with my friend Clementine Edwards who's also an artist and we were the, we were the youngest there probably by 30 years and we were the first to bed <laughs> every night at like midnight and all the rest of the makers were up all night making they were like frenzied miniaturists <laughs> what what do you think what do you think uh, miniature enthusiasts have in common or what drives them do you think i think appreciation for doing something with their hands and then also like they're mesmerized by the like just the tininess like there was a person sitting next to me that was specifically making Edwardian um like the little tassels on the bottom of like furniture or like around you know like the little tiny things around like the cord around the cord yes around the bottom of a bed or like around the bottom like around curtains and she was making them with silk and pins and knitting them like it was incredible. Like it was the most incredible tiny. Like I'm a, I make chunky things in comparison. <laughs> we were really bad as well because we were we weren't following. Because one of the things actually is that you kind of follow the plan. Like it's about making a thing. There's like li- limited creativity, but you're sort of also following how you meant to do it. Hmm. This, um, well, following a plan, long hours, um, I'm thinking also about 
Well, you're a student right now and you have very long hours. You're mm-hmm. working on something quite a bit. And there are, I mean, there, there are some obvious differences, of course, between like the miniature enthusiast away camp that you were at mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and your current and your current <laughs> occupation. Yeah. But, um, but um, I wonder... I wonder maybe what are now that now that you can now that you are in, in like the student teacher student sandwich how are you <laughs> how, how are you able to like th- how do you think about like that yeah this kind of system that's laid out within a classroom um similar really to maybe the way rules are laid out for a game that help one like proceed through time with another player or proceed through a semester. Yeah, do you, do you, have you, do you have well, any thoughts on that? I mean, maybe because you said at the start that you like card games and I don't. So that this is no, a good no, example, no. This is a good example <laughs> of like everyone has really different needs <laughs> or desires. But I know in, from my experience and the way that I learn, I really love to know like what, is coming. And I think having, when I was a teacher, which was after I was a student, but now that I've gone back to being a student, I have lessons that I would take back. And one of them is like not progressively like exposing what the kind of like remainder of a project or brief would be and ensuring that at the beginning of the semester, students have kind of an understanding of where they're heading so that because it, I think it's just unrealistic to – my, my feeling is that the expectation is that you're giving it all, all the time, and actually you kind of need to be able to, like, take minutes to just do slow thinking, and if you can't plan for when you would do that in a creative project, it makes it a kind of frenzy and, like, terribly unenjoyable. And so, <laughs> yeah, I would definitely, like – if I was teach when I, you know, hopefully I'll teach again when I have more time and that would be, I would just, I now I would be very transparent with like what the outcome is and make everything iterative. So make sure that like the thing you start working on, it's okay to still be working on it at the end of semester because I think mm. that there's a, um, like a lack of three months is not very long for a subject anyway. So if you do 15 projects in the three months, you just don't get, like, slow time to do anything. And so that I guess that would be my lesson or how I would approach it in the future, make sure that there's a kind of clarity in what you're doing, everyone knows where they're headed and that you're allowed to have, like, slow thinking time. Like the outcome mm-hmm. is maybe not – the outcome can be kind of simple. Is that – does that does your experience um, does your experience in maybe the best times of being a student or maybe in the best the best structures does it at all or in any way resemble how you work in your own studio? Oh, probably. I did a really fantastic um, conservation and heritage subject, and the teacher kind of laid out how we would go and at all points you kind of knew that you'd be carefully supported in the next 
element if you had a question. And I think I probably do that within my own practice. Like I set up a question as to like what I'm answering, but I make sure that the scope's not like so large that it's impossible to do before the next kind of like when whenever the outcome is. And then, yeah, so I do, I do think that there's a kind I mean, definitely the way that I approach making is really quite controlled in the sense that I have specific times that I will be like planning and I always am like kind of like programming my time out so that I can be sure that I've got enough time to do the making and I know that my making is like a methodical and labour-intensive process so I know how much time basically I start from when it's due, go back from how long I know something will take to make and then I know how long I've got to be like I have to be kind of coming up with the idea. And I think that's one of the things that isn't very well thought through when people approach you to do or make a show is like generosity and like thinking time. If you get asked to do a show in six months and it definitely takes you four months to make it and then you've got to respond to the email saying you're going to be in it and submit your invoice and you end up with, a month of thinking time that's not a huge amount of time like a month a month just isn't unless you've already got all your ideas ready which is sort of just not I mean probably that is how people work they've already got all their ideas whereas I kind of my work is context specific so I always am waiting for the thing to like to the for the opportunity to then know what I'd like to make I know broadly what I want to explore, but not what it is I'm going to make. What's it like? Um, and then what's it like when you do start making things um, and start working on them and, and doing these things that require like a lot of methodical handwork or detailed and repetitive handwork? What are sort of where do you, where do you like to be? in your mind as you're doing that? Oh, I, well, I think because I program it out a little bit, it means that in my thinking time I'm doing kind of like the most concentration research and then when I'm doing my making, it's a kind of just production line or like kind of making only time so I can kind of be quite relaxed in my thinking and so that means I can be listening to music or listening to podcasts and learning about other things or thinking about what my next shows will be. I think the, the kind of like the one time that I have to be like very careful to like make sure that I'm kind of in a psychological space where I want to be making something is when I'm specifically have done my research, but then I'm doing my planning stage. And I think during the planning stage, there's a sort of like, you have to make sure that you can access all the research you've done but also feel kind of relaxed. And one of the things that, I mean, we've spoken about this before, but one of the things that I I do is, like, watch television or do something that sort of occupies your frontal lobe so that then you can access all the stuff that's already in there. <laughs> so you're sort of, like, semi-thinking about, like, what's on the show. It, and then you then able to do all of the kind of it's a weird like you trick yourself <laughs> it's a game 
you're basically tricking yourself into relaxing enough to then do the thing that you're meant to be doing. Even though the thing that you do is also really enjoyable, you kind of get two things at once. Like at the end of a day, one of those sorts of days, you're so satisfied because you've watched a great show and you've done like tricky creative work. So, yeah. You you know, I feel like this this kind of day – this sort of a day, like those like very perfect days, remind me so much of, uh, remind me so much of like a really nice, um, like when I was a lot younger, and there would just be these hours of classes which were just like kind of creative things classes, and you just like have a jolly time, yeah, <laughs> and you have to get all the things done. Like you, we had these like four buckets of color that you could use and every person would have a chance to come and do that and then <laughs> sewing through and you just get it all done and you had a great day and you chatted with your friends and uh, you know pranced around and eaten a lunch and then there's some knowledge that has been gained at the end of it in like the longer scope of it um but those yeah those I, I, yeah I, I don't I, how do how do you kind of do you feel do you have a need for wonder and surprise in, in your work as you're going through? Is that something you crave or want as you're going through this kind of process when you sort of know what you're doing, you know how you work, you are aware of what you're, you're capable of, unlike a child, maybe? No, I probably was a really similar <laughs> child. <laughs> I don't think I've changed a lot. I I mean, even when you were talking about the way that you liked going to art class and, like, just taking your turn on the paintbrush, I think that scenario for me would have made me feel a little bit anxious and I wouldn't have known quite what what am I supposed to be doing here? Like, what is this? And so probably in in a classroom, maybe I'm just not a classroom context kind of thinker, to be honest. It's really not when I'm relaxed and I do very much like being alone and I think I did a, I mean, that's probably a good, that's a good, that's true because I know, I did a residency program which for two years I had a studio and it was wonderful, like the studios were really generous in size, all the other artists were there and really nice and I just didn't like it at all. I just didn't like going there and I didn't, I felt really observed and I don't I mean I'm not I really like people too so it's not a I mean I love chatting (laughs) in fact it's probably why I didn't like it because I didn't get as much kind of done (laughs) because I thought too much but yeah I think I yeah not I'm maybe not a classroom learner I'm really easily distracted I I think I think I get hardly anything done around people. I think that I So what you were talking about the like dabbing the paint on the brush, you were really talking about like chatting with your friends and maybe like touching the paint for once. <laughs> yeah, well, think, maybe in that context you felt confident that, that t- you would get away with that. And that's where I would be like anxious that the teacher thinks I'm a bad student. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think if it's like I, I always I always have to think about like how much fun I want to have in a week. Um, 
<laughs> if, I'm, if, I'm with, if I'm with people, it's just like, oh, like it's so much fun all the time. And the amount of <laughs> work I get done is next to nil. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, but the opposite, which is like this, yeah, quiet, quiet time or like quiet so that, so that other things can start flowing through or, or yeah, other things can start happening or um, kind of also like how walking feels when you're walking on a path that you've been on so many times that it's so familiar, then new yeah. ideas, can, things can begin to happen. Um, I, how do you, how, do you, do you, this is like a, this is maybe a little bit far away from play in itself, but I'm also thinking about, it seems like, it seems like a quiet space or maybe maybe um, one's workspace being close to one's home or having those things be one and the same or being more fluid seems yep. um, uh, important. Me, yeah. I mean, at the moment I have a studio that's within walking distance from my house and I'm set up at my kitchen table because it's too far. <laughs> and so, my, I mean, my preference is definitely that it's at my home. Um, and, but, you know, it's also dependent on, like, I have a partner, we have a different life that's not, like, I could definitely be working all the time. <laughs> like, all the time. I really enjoy it and I like I'd go to dinner and then I'd go back to the studio or go back to doing, like, things that feel like tasks that are in my studio. And, yeah, like, that's, I mean, that's also, I'm trying to learn not to do that all the time because I think you kind of, yeah, maybe there's, like, a benefit to not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I, read, I once read this like really nice book about, I don't even, I don't remember the title or anything about it, but it was about the dinner table as the space for work and play and dinner itself and chatting and how all of these things, like so often in so many forms of so many occupations and making things that that is the space for these multiple things that happen and hour by hour it shifts. If someone needs to eat or someone needs to do something else, you put your work away and then it comes back right back and I think that's a really um it mirrors also how like other stages of one's life and how we work or how we think about create like creative work outside of a formal um professionalized yeah I, I mean definitely I like the idea that you enjoy like you enjoy making that you want to be bringing it into your home and I like the pottering between tasks and it just there's a kind of capacity like definitely as a student like there isn't it's not particularly it's it's just not that similar to being an artist in the studio it's quite stressful and I become unpleasant to be around (laughs) So, because I'm stressed. So I think if you're not stressed and you're doing the thing and it's in and out of your home, then it's like, that's ideal, of course. So yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's, I mean, my absolute preference is that the studio is in home or next to the home because uh, integrating food into a studio practice is also like lovely. And being able to have like home cooking for all meals is, yeah, it's delightful. 
It's such a pleasure. It's so nice. Uh, I'm home right now, and I we all of our days are structured around eating. And so in between is when I get to lay out a painting on the table and paint, and then lunch comes and the painting leaves, and lunch is over, painting comes back. And, um, we are, so we are now at, uh, at the end of our time, Esther, but before, before, before we depart, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you, and I asked Helen this yesterday too, whether, and I get, I know the answer is probably not card games, but if there are any games you've been playing in the last two years that we've been kind of inside and made with oh. other people. I can't think. We, Leilani and I play a game which is kind of similar to Connect Four. <laughs> which, <laughs> can, that kind of possible. I love it. I also like dominoes. So maybe that's like the level. You can see then the level of game that I like. <laughs> I like when it's like almost a hundred percent to chance, and <laughs> even though there's like a tiny bit of skill, and just the, like Connect Four is a great game because it's short. <laughs> All you have to do is like line up your fork things. You've got to think spatially and kind of connect things. And when someone else wins, often you just don't see it coming, and you're like, oh. <laughs> There's a like moment of like enjoyment in their like ability to see a line or be it's but it's just chance too. So yeah, I like Connect Four. <laughs> and it turns yeah, no, over you, so you know, quickly. Like, you don't like strategize that oh if I put this one here, then Lilani might put this one here and so this is how I'm gonna win. Yeah, but it's sort of too quick to be like totally strategizing. And if you have too much of a strategy then the person will catch you. So you just sort of have to quickly go. Like you sort of have to have a bit of a plan, but it's more spontaneous. Like it's not long game thinking. It's really like... (laughs) We do this other one, which I can't think what it's called, but it's got like... It's basically the same. You have to get a row of like checkers on on the board, but there's cards and the cards tell you which one you can put down. So the cards are like just the next level to the Connect Four because then they show you, oh, it's called Sequence, obviously. <laughs> and then, yeah, the sequ- you get a card and then it tells you where, which, like which of the two cards, like which coin you can put down. And so it kind of controls your moves. And that's this is pretty good too. But it makes me angrier when I lose. <laughs> Because there really is a bit of strategy involved. <laughs> and I feel so disappointed that I <laughs> got it so wrong. <laughs> this is, I, like, I, I, like, I like this because this is, I think these games fall into like the coin toss category of games where it's, it's really fun. But what the outcome is really, it's chance. And so you can just kind of be the <laughs> go through the mo- the very delightful motion of that chance. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna. Tr- I, I'll try. You know, I'll try it. I I like you. Spend loads of time alone. I don't know if you spend loads of time alone, but I can't default to doing that. I'm gonna try it. Um, Esther, I. Uh, I wish we could, I wish, well, we can actually in real life keep talking for longer always, but thank you. Thank, yeah, thank you. I, I, I'm so, this is, it's very special. 
It's very special to be able to talk to you about something formally, which is about on a topic. <laughs> instead of, instead of <laughs> Thank you for having me, Pallavi. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. You're listening to an M Pavilion podcast. Conversations about design and the world we live in. For more, visit our archive at mpavilion.org and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts.